Welcome to On Conscious. This is episode 18, Resilience, an interview with Anthea Kalouris. Welcome to On Conscious. I'm your host, Liz Cook, functional nutritionist and founder of One Seed Organic Perfumes. Today I'm speaking with the beautiful Anthea Kalouris, naturopath, herbalist, author and educator, determined to make good health simple. Anthea has been a practitioner and entrepreneur for 25 years and brings a wealth of knowledge, experience and wisdom. She's had challenges in business and in life, just like all of us. But this year has brought both grief and triumph for Anthea and seen her lose the baby she spent years building. Her story is one of resilience, of leading with vulnerability, and of coming back to one's inner voice to bring to the world what is true and purposeful. So there's so many things that I've learned through the process, and, and it is like going through the fires, and what gives light must endure burning, and it, and it was because it was a lot more than business. It was very personal to me, and also what it triggered in me which is this is the silver lining, what it triggered in me that needed to be healed has been healed and and more things are healing. And you can grieve and you can still create and you can be in the mess of things and you can still create and find that beauty within chaos. You can tap into it, the rest of it falls away and the thing rises. So let's jump in. Hello, Anthea. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Liz, for having me. I'm so delighted to be here talking to you. Oh, that is so nice. We've been wanting to have you on for a while, and it's um, you're a hard woman to get hold of. You're you're you've got your fingers in a few pies, and you're very busy, and um, everything's been happening for you um, this year. And I'll, we'll talk about that in a second. But you have been in this game for so long. I recall. I think we might have um, had a chat even 20 years ago when I first um, launched into business in sort of wellness and beauty. So you've been around for ages. How many years has it been that you've been um, a naturopath and doing what you do? I think it's been about 25 years. I graduated in 1994. Um, Yeah, it's been such a long time. It's very hard to believe because you, I feel the same kind of person, but just being knocked about, learnt a lot, lots of wins, lots of failures, that kind of thing. Yeah. And it's crazy because when you say 25 years and whenever I see photos of you, I'm like, how? How 25 years? Were you were you five when you started? You seem to have not aged at all. But we will get to that because people always want to know the nitty gritty of like what's your skincare and wellness secrets and we'll talk about that. Can you tell me what you love about being naturopath and how you've woven your love of helping people and healing into entrepreneurship and then having that bigger reach than just a single practitioner can have one-on-one? Yeah, it's it must be part of my nature and personality. It is, it is really strange because I discovered a book at the age of 12 and I talk a lot about this story, which was on my parents' bookshelf called How to Get Well by Pavo Areola. And it's written by a naturopathic physician. And I read this book as a young child and I just thought this was incredible and amazing and, you know, the difference between um, synthetic supplements and natural supplements and food as medicine and um, dry brushing and sauerkraut making. 
I don't know why I thought this was fantastic. I mean, I did. <laughs> it is when, I, when other girls are braiding each other's hair and you know, prank calling boys, you're <laughs> becoming a naturopath. <laughs> I and, you know, I grew up in a, which I didn't realise was a holistic um, household. All it was is that, you know, my parents are Greek Cypriots, so they grew their own food. So did my grandparents, their, their home cooks. We kind of grew a very grew up a very Mediterranean lifestyle. So, and dad was always alternative in his thinking. And um, yeah, just, it just, I loved it so much. And then coincidentally, but not coincidentally, we had a family friend who was a naturopath, a very well-known naturopath of her time. And I started doing some work for her, but Really, I was either going to be a naturopath or an architect, but then I decided mm. to choose naturopathy. And yeah. I, what made you go that way, though? I don't know. I I really liked what it's. I think the book, knowing this friend of ours that was a very well known, successful naturopath. Um, I was very much into my health really into it like you know I would grow calendula and drink it or put it on my skin thinking I had all these ailments but I didn't (laughs) (laughs) a little bit experimental it just it was like I had no choice it was a choiceless situation this was my path it was destiny Mm. yeah and it's interesting isn't it how in one moment that destiny can become really clear it can it's not even necessarily for everybody like you know a journey and a few layers sometimes it's that one pivotal moment and for you it was sliding that book off the shelf obviously that kind of had that light bulb spark effect in your soul and you were off yeah that's incredible yeah yeah that was it It was just one of those moments and I just knew and I was just very fortunate that I could study naturopathy at the time Um, and I graduated. I was still in my early 20s when I graduated and hence why I'm 49 and have been in practice for 25 years. Yeah. Mm, That's amazing. Can you tell me how that innate sense of being where you're supposed to be in your life helps you through challenging times and helps you get a different perspective on things that could otherwise break you or really, really hurt you and keep you down? Yeah, look, within inside of me, my greatest joy is being of service and and helping others and inspiring people to self-care, healthcare holistically I'm very much aligned with nature. I love herbs. I love flowers. I love being in the garden. It sounds all very whimsical, I know, but I just want to show others how beautiful that can be. I also think, and I don't know how much I've ever spoken about this, I mean, I grew up in a very strict household, Greek Cypriot parents. I didn't have much freedom at the same time unless it was in within my own imagination or backyard. Mm-hmm. Um, I was very overprotective being um, I was, you know, firstborn generation in Australia. And it is strange that I chose a career at the time that was so on the fringe and so alternative that it was almost my way of breaking out into my own freedom, if you mm-hmm. like. Yep. I wanted to think for myself and be myself and, because I couldn't be myself really 
I couldn't. I, I had to be a particular way. Mm-hmm. That is what is expected of a of a, a young Greek girl. And so I, I broke out and did something so different, even though it was kind of very normal and natural to to self-care and to eat well and to garden and do that kind of thing. But I chose it as a career. Yeah. And at the time, not, not many people were seeing naturopaths. We were considered witches, so fringe-dwelling. It wasn't really a thing to do. It, it evolved and grew over 10 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just coming back to that. I think what I needed for myself is what I wanted to give to others, which was a sense of freedom and choice. And how do you find that coming back to that and having this intrinsic knowing of, you know, you're doing what you're meant to be doing, how does that practically, I guess, work itself out in a challenging time? It's something that just pops up. It is something that just I always then just remember. But I remember quicker now so I don't get Mm -hmm. caught up in the turmoil and the washing machine of all the different voices that are out there, voices that are in my head. Um, You know, business, running a business is hard. So I remember much quicker now as to why I'm doing what I do, what is it that I want to inspire in others, and what I want for myself is what I want for others. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think I just use different tools now. I mean, I, you know, try to meditate more regularly I was taught how to meditate, doing Vedic meditation 20 minutes twice a day. Um, If I'm amongst my herbs and my blending, um, if I'm with patients, that's when I'm most creative, so I remember. Mm -hmm. So it's getting back to the original roots of what what you do, I suppose, because in business you can, I guess, especially in wellness business, wellness entrepreneurship, you can get diverted by all the noise of business and I think I find the same thing it's when you can actually go back to what you were originally um, feel like you were born to do in that business and for you it's the herbs and I guess it's the peopling as well that you feel like the other Mm. stuff washes off because I'm like that in the lab too I often over the Christmas holidays for example will go in and You know, it's not unusual for me to come up with six or seven new fragrances and new products over that 10-day period because it's back to the quietness of the studio by myself, listening to the sounds of scent, listening to the sounds of my own creativity, and everything seems to fall away. Do you have that experience as well? Every time. I think, one, when I'm in that creative flow all the hardships, all the difficulties do flow away and, and then you remember why it is that you, what you do and why you yeah. do it. It took me a long time. So I don't want anyone to think, oh, that this is was just natural to me because I have found business difficult. There's been so many incredible challenges as I grew my first chapter of the O, as I grew my first clinic. My first clinic was called Out of the Earth Health and Beauty Clinic because, you know, I've, I've, I've been around for a while. So I've been in the business side of business. And I remember the first year my dad would say, if you just stood still, you'd cost me less money. And it was true. <laughs> no yeah, there's a lot of wisdom in that, isn't there? <laughs> I was just I was just driven by this 
sheer desire to spread a good message of health and that is what has driven this whole thing and some people will call it madness but it's (laughs) all I all I wanted to do and it and it has been tough because I haven't done an MBA I haven't been to business school um you don't get taught business when you're studying naturopathy I wish they would um carve out more subjects in business when you're studying naturopathy because unless you're paid an hourly rate by a pharmacy, health food store, another practitioner, essentially you are creating a business. You're becoming an entrepreneur. Yeah. Um, and it is and it is tough but if you remember and you come back to why you do it and also it's making the decision how big do you want to be, how far do you want to go, that's the, that's the other thing is are you happy as a practitioner seeing patients one-on-one? Do you want to create a brand? Do you want to create a product? It all means different things. And, it takes- and it's got to be right for the individual person, right? Because I, I think there's often these days, especially with um, this sort of a pressure towards branding yourself mm-hmm. and what are you going to do that's bigger than one-on-one, but that's not for everybody. And if you lose what it is you came here to do, there's no joy in that. And I think people burn out very quickly. And perhaps that's why so many natural health practitioners throw it away really quickly. They kind of lose their mission in the first place that's right and I think it's really important to master the basics master the thing that you do the thing that you've learned and then from there find a mentor immerse yourself in the business that you want to be in or the brand that you want to create your own style your own flavor and just wear it and see if it is something that you want to do. Mm-hmm. For me, it was. My mentor had a brand. It was a very well-known brand at the time. That is all I knew. I was in my 20s. That is all I knew, to be a naturopath and create a brand. And it was, you know, the late 1990s, and it was different creating, starting a brand then because there wasn't so much um, noise because there was no social media. We just just had website they were the the earlier days I think is find find the person you want to be guided by immerse yourself in that spend a lot of time on your own as well to find your own voice yeah definitely your heart's desire also Mm. it doesn't have it's hard when you look outside and you're constantly comparing yourself to others you can't do that it that doesn't work it only creates so much heartache and pain that's true I heard you say something recently in an interview which really resonated with me and it was about being a co-creator with a higher power and you've talked um, about that I guess a few times and you know you talk a lot about meditation and you know coming back to the core of who you are and listening to the inner voice etc but the your point about working with a co-creator as a higher power. Can you explain what that means for you and how that impacts your life and your work? Yeah. I mean, many people will call it God. Others call it the universe. Other, others call it love. It can be your instinct or your innate wisdom. It, it doesn't really matter. It may matter to some. For me, when I realised, and I realised after being beaten about quite a few times in business that if 
if I come back to that part of myself where it, it flows and that's in my creativeness, in, in, the, in that kind of juicy part where everything is so fun and joyous and playful, mm. that is when I'm co-creating, when I'm not creating out of fear or anxiety or panic or desperation or a need to do something because I have to or it's expected of me. Um, so that's what co-creation or co- collaboration means when I'm in f- flow or in sync with something that feels very much beyond me. Mm. For instance, I know it's kind of shocked a few people, but I just launched another brand, a new chapter, because I had to let go and walk away from my first beautiful big baby, Ovio. And a lot of people say, but how? Have you been planning this for years? And it's like, no, this is just what's already there mm-hmm. that I tap into. And it's very easy for me to create that because I'm so tapped into that place. Yeah. And it just flows through me and you would have that experience when you're creating recipes they just flow through me and really it's just the that's the same essence that's just evolving and growing and flowing it's it's really the same thing it just has either a different personality or looks different on the outside but the essence is the same and and that's the collab or the collaboration or the co-creation of something wonderful the stuff that we love to do and I think I'm understanding more and more because I'm a I suppose I'm a busy-minded person and I personally find it really hard to stop and be silent but there's so many times where and even just in listening to your recent interviews it reminds me again to take more time for silence and just mm-hmm. reflect on that inner voice and try to find that quiet messaging that's going on behind. And I think if you don't have that, when you hit for six by something like you've gone through this year, and it's you know it's not just COVID. COVID's been tough for everybody, but people have other layers of stuff going on this year aside from mm-hmm. COVID. And you've got to have some other type of internal reserves and I don't think we find it in noise you know we've got to switch off Instagram and all the messaging that's going on and take that quiet time so you have actually this week inspired me to get back to that and I've I've been waking up with like a a one line um, encouragement or meditation in my mind sitting on my deck and I've look I can only do up to five minutes at a time at the moment but just reflecting on that one truth about life or love or God and trying to help that be what resonates in my yeah. mind rather than the noise and the clutter and the stress and the distress that's really yeah. powerful it is, and I think the first thing is to choose to do that and believe yeah. that that is how it works because for me I have zero doubt that is how it works. Once you sink in, things unfold, unpack, they flow. Our mind is very powerful. We do create what we think and we are fortunate. Like I really understand I'm very fortunate to be where I am located. I have safety, security, I have shelter, I have access to good food. But I've also listened to those who, you know, are on the fringe and, and who create incredible stuff um, and and it's a mindset. Mm. Not everyone 
has this opportunity and I really get that. But if you can, if you do have the opportunity because you've got safety, security and all the basic things in life, then it simply is a mindset and if you choose to believe that you can create and master these things, then then you can then you'll make the time to sink in and however you sink in whether it's through meditation whether it's through prayer whether it's through being in nature so for me it can happen anytime I could be just driving it could even wake me up in the middle of the night so I make sure I have pen and paper like that comes through anytime anywhere it happens a lot when I'm even with a patient because I'm very present in that state with patients have a little notepad on the side where I just jot things down. Um, but I believe and I choose to believe that my mind um, needs to make that decision first. Yeah, and- absolutely. And it is a choice and it's hard. It's a hard choice to make because all yeah. the pressures of life are saying this is not convenient, this is not practical, there's no actual results out of this, all of those, you know, all of those noises. It is a choice, isn't it? And I wasn't always like this. Can I just say when I first read The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle, maybe 10 years ago, maybe, I can't remember now. Mm-hmm. First of all, I read it and I didn't get it. The second time I read it from a flight from Sydney to Adelaide and I couldn't believe, I was in shock that I wasn't my thoughts, that someone told me that I'm not my thoughts. Wow. Because I believed I was my thoughts. I used to suffer from grand anxiety. I... I was a control freak. I was a perfectionist. It's something I have to watch within myself. I think this year has made me less of that, um, especially. Uh, I just, it's do whatever you need to do to find that essence within yourself. Mm. I think the beauty of being a naturopath and studying naturopathy so young, I understood the value of addressing the underlying causes and contributing factors of how we think and feel and our physical being, mind, body, spirit. So I've I've basically been seeing a psychotherapist or psychologist since naturopathy on and off over the years because to be of service and to be the best practitioner I can be, I need to do the work on myself. And it's I always describe it as going in before you go out even with whatever I create what I write I go in before I go out I pull Mm -hmm. the bow and arrow in before I release it Mm -hmm. that's so powerful you recently posted something beautiful on your Instagram which was the following quote things fall apart to let us know what truly matters and then you had this heartfelt reflection I see, I see, I see. An onion will eventually unravel over time, slowly break down, put the heat on it, roast it, and the layers will fall away. That was me. I was thrown in the fire and I came out the other end. Less layers, less stuff, more me. There is much to do, things to see, love to share, beauty to create, the world to heal as just me. Everyone keeps talking about COVID-19 making this year really tough as as we said but for some of us COVID-19 has been the least of the problems. You've had a really tough year as we've touched on before and I guess some people know a little bit about your story 
Um, and I'm sure that you're still working through some of the grief of the things that have mm. happened in your life and in business and how that impacts different aspects. But can you talk to me about what it's been like to lose your baby, Ovio, the tea brand that you spent so many years developing a reputation for and nurturing and it was so close to your heart? Mm. Um, you know, there's a very strong grief that comes with losing a baby of your own creation and especially when you have no control over the eventual outcome. Can we talk about what that's been like and how you're dealing with it and the lessons that you've learned? Sure. And I may cry a bit. Please do. It just <laughs> <laughs> And I'm in my clinic consulting room doing this interview. So this we call this the crying yeah. room to patients because it's true. Um it it it's been a shock. I'm I'm still grieving. I'm still in shock. I don't think for me, I don't feel like it, I don't think I'll ever get over how it happened. Um, but at the same time, it's it's really, it's, it's really a tricky one, this one, because at the same time, if it didn't happen, I wouldn't know what I know mm-hmm. and I wouldn't be able to see what I see. And really it tapped into a lot of my unmet wounds and traumas as a child, as a teenager and as a young woman. So it triggered everything. It basically brought everything to a head. And it's stuff, yes, that I've been working on personally for quite a few years, but that was happening at the same time as, oh, my God, I may lose my company and... Mm. And how it came about that I I wanted help. Ovio was growing and I wanted some help and we it needed capital because it was growing and, and that was fantastic. Um, I felt like I was in a swamp when I went out looking for help. It wasn't the first time and unfortunately this is the second time this has happened, mm-hmm. but this time I actually lost the company. I brought on an operational business partner and it just didn't work out. Mm. For me, the biggest lesson in it, even though I had to go through it because I wouldn't know what I know at this end, so I'm not too sure about that piece. I'm still trying to work out how could I I learn what I've learned without going through it. I'm not sure. But it was for me at the time is I felt choiceless I was made to believe I had no choice and it was just, you know, a narcissistic empath type of relationship that was occurring Um, and I felt very overwhelmed and overburdened and I didn't want to run a warehouse anymore and I didn't want to do the operations on that scale anymore. So I brought on a partner and and it just didn't work out and it was, unpleasant and it's I actually can't talk any more about it legally Um, but for me in the end to walk away and this is all I can say for me I made the choice to walk away and not legally fight anymore because it was pretty darn bad for me to walk away from my baby and it was my baby I haven't you know had children so obvio was the baby so it was it was the hardest thing to choose to walk away and I had to come to terms with this is this is the baby I created and legally I I found myself in the most diabolical situation legally that someone 
um, could have taken it because they were they had shares in the company and I could have kept fighting. Um, I would have spent pretty much all my money and I've lost a lot of money. It was a big financial hit um, to lose Ovio as well. And and I thought, crackies, I'll be starting again, but will I be? The essence is still there. Ovio only exists because of me. I'm I'm so aligned with the brand. People know it as Anthea's Tea. And luckily they did not invest in my clinic and my shop and my apothecary, so I that out. Yeah. It yeah, it, it was a big deal. It was a big deal going through the actual process of what was happening and that realization, crikey, look where I am. I'm about to to lose the thing that I love doing day in, day out, carving out my identity. So me learning that this is not my identity, this is something that I do and I create mm-hmm. and no one can take that away from me. No one can take that essence away from you. No that I can keep creating, that no one can steal that light and beauty that is within us. And if they're so desperate to take it, it means they haven't discovered their own creativeness. They haven't discovered their own light. And and I don't have compassion yet because it's too it's too soon early I, I understand it I understand it mentally emotionally psychologically but so I I walked away because it was the right thing to do for my health it was the right thing to do for my partner's health my family my friends my community because I'm still their naturopath and that's what I do day in day out and that's what I had to remember and that's the thing if you remember why then that that's what helped me walk through mm. and it's like take everything but you cannot take me and I can create and I'll, I, I'm lucky I have been supported by an incredible community of like-minded people people who just like what we do mm-hmm. really amazing people like yourself and people that may not know me personally but I suppose it has touched them because they've created their own babies so they imagine what it would be like um yeah so I I am out the other end um I now understand that one day I will be able to speak about it more freely as a cautionary tale and as a reminder of you always have a choice yeah um, even when you're pushed up against the wall, I mean, I could have chosen many different paths. I chose to let it fall apart, break apart. I, I let that happen. I, I let it. I, I knew if I walk, you know, am I going to be able to handle seeing the product out there, out there, people still thinking it's my product? You know, I had to really lose complete identity to Ovio and remember me in it. So there's so many things that I've learned through the process and and it is like going through the fires and um, what gives light must endure burning and and it was because it was a lot more than business. It was very personal to me and also what it triggered in me 
which is this is the silver lining, what it triggered in me that needed to be healed has been healed and and more things are healing. Yeah. I think I, I've, I found a peace and a calm, a peace of well at the other end. Mm. And when you look back on however long this part of the journey has been, whether it's been months or, you know, however long this whole process has taken, what what so far upon reflection now at this early stage of grieving can you say this is what I know now that I didn't know then or this is what I would advise the next person coming up behind me with a similar experience, this would be my current wisdom? I think from a, a, a legal perspective is really get your ducks in a row, not that you would ever expect to have to think about something like this because you don't go into partnership thinking that the partnership's going to break up so quickly or that there's real intent involved, but is get all your legal papers incorrect because technically I shouldn't have lost Ovio, the brand, so is getting really good legal advice, getting second opinions if need be to protect yourself as much as, much as you can. I think the second thing is is just really remembering that I've always got a choice. There's always another week. It's not dire straits. It's not the end of the world if I don't make a decision. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, for me, it was a very unusual situation in that the stock, you know, I shut down my warehouse and all my stock was up in Queensland, which I didn't have access to. Mm. So I couldn't fly to Queensland. I couldn't get my oh, stock course. out. I couldn't dispatch. I, there's a lot of things like that that happened where I was I I was trapped in a bit of a corner I did make um I thought around the box and and that's when you can become quite inventive and that if you stay present and remember what it is that you do you can come up with other ways um I just think and that's when I created the makeshift collection because when all else fails you rise (laughs) to the and I created a collection in the back of my room, my second clinic room, because I didn't have access to my packaging either, so I had to really think on my feet quickly. Um, and that's the good news is when you get really present and you remember who you are and what it is that you do, you the the ideas come through very quickly, and I and I jumped at that. Yeah. Um, I think it's just you know before you enter into any legal agreement or partnership, is really take your time. Get to know who it is that you're going into partnership with. Um, get recommendations, do background checks, all of those things. Um, Personality-wise as well, who you can and can't work with, what you're willing to give up, what you're willing to be okay to keep. So There's so many of those kind of things. For me, the other lesson was if you see red flags, and I saw a gate of red flags beautifully tied ribbons on a beautiful glorious double gate (laughs) is through (laughs) and I get I was tired and I was I was exhausted at the time and it's true you you kind of forget your instincts and your inner wisdom that innate thing that we have you it's almost like I lost my mind is Mm. the best way to think about it and I ignored everything and just walked through the gate of red flags and 
I didn't have to. Was that from outside pressure or was it, did it look shiny? Did it, did it offer you what you felt that you needed at the time? What was the, what was the reason to go through even though the red flags? It looked shiny. It looked promising. It looked lovely. I was very hopeful. I want to believe that things will be and work out. I just, it's just, you know, two very different personalities and two different very, you know, intentions for Mm. what the brand is. And I I know my brand. I know how it sells. I know what people want. I know my customer. I've been with them the whole time. And it's it's birthed of you, um, Anthea. It is you. Yeah, and I and I think the other thing, I can only put my name to something that I wholeheartedly truly believe in. And there is no amount of money that will sell that out. There is no amount of money that someone can pay me. I I just that's not who I am. I hear you. And it's it doesn't for me, it isn't for me being commercially successful is being good to others is offering a service that supports others inspires others that is good for all not just one not just for me um i can't just make money for the sake of making money i'm not going to create products just again for the sake of making money it's not what the intention is it's again it's like i knew all these things I am all those things, but sometimes it really needs to be clarified. You need to really be put there right at the front line, be asked those questions or be put in those positions and what would you do? Yeah. And I I decided to speak out and I decided to walk and I decided to fight for a bit. I mean, I'm a pretty good fighter. I'll fight for long as I could until I realized what am I fighting for I'm already that that's the smart decision I think I made because I get it because a lot of people say why didn't you fight we would have come to your rescue we would have given you money and it's like I wouldn't want you to spend your good money on my fight I didn't want to spend any more money on fighting for something like that so there's a lot a lot a lot that I've learned and I would love to yes share that to help others to remind them that they do have a choice to listen to that part of themselves if something doesn't feel right you don't need to make a decision in that moment there is always another way yeah but then sometimes you know if you get backed up against the wall and you end up on that path maybe there's a reason why we're on that path also I had to learn some stuff that I don't think I would have learned if I hadn't gone down this path. Mm. I wish I didn't have to do it that way because it was brutal, but um, I did. And these are not the things you learn in an MBA in any case, are they? There's not a lot that can prepare you for those types of confrontations and, and tumultuous life and business experiences. Yeah, and I think when you are getting advice from others is to always check and if it's possible to see, does it serve me? Does it fit? Does it feel right for me? Is this their, are they giving advice out of their own wounds or projections? I'm really conscious and mindful, you know, when I see some people, entrepreneurs making decisions, I'm really conscious now that, 
I don't want to project my stuff onto them. Just because this happened to me doesn't mean it will happen to them. So it's it's sharing without projecting. Um, I can never tell someone what to do. Only they know what they need to do. And we're just a voice amongst many voices and hopefully sometimes it'll sink in for that individual. Yeah. But it, it's, it's like I always say to patients, listen to me and don't listen to me. Mm-hmm. See if it fits. Yeah. That's right. But you hope that with the pain that you've gone through that that resonates with somebody who's perhaps on the precipice themselves or needs to be reminded to go back inward and and sit in silence and find the peace and not make decisions that are just fiscal and all of that. And you just hope that can somebody learn something from from my pain? You know, you just hope that that resonates with somebody. And I'm sure it will. I'm sure there's people listening to this podcast today who are thinking, oh, my gosh, this is exactly what I needed to hear today. And that's, um, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's the beauty that can come for others from your pain as well. But, you know, I get the sense with you that it's the phoenix rising from the ashes and that there's more beautiful things on the horizon than what you've already created so do you want to talk about your brand new baby? Yes. yes. So Apotheca by Anthea. Apotheca is um, the Greek word for apothecary and it was the old apothecaries is where women could be healers. Um, often it was the, the husbands that ran the apothecaries or dispensaries, which were like an old-fashioned pharmacy, and if they died that the widows would actually inherit the apothecary and that's where women could be healers wow and I've always I've always loved the word apothecary and apotheca just came to me it was one of those things again just being mm-hmm. in sync it's like how do I come up with a better name than Ovio who am I going to be some people just said just call it Anthea's tea but that didn't feel right either and so I did apotheca by Anthea and really it's just an extension of what Ovio wanted to be and evolve into and probably went um, a little off track in some of the choiceless situations I thought I found myself in. Um, it's I've just landed. I needed, some people said, you know, you didn't have to create something so soon and others said just do what feels natural and I've always created, It's it, that part comes easy and I had customers who were sitting there waiting, looking, what are you going to do? Are you going to create your own next thing? And I just wanted to land back in that space and next year I'll evolve it into naturopathic remedies and elixirs and tonics perhaps. Um, but I just wanted to. I, I can't honestly. I can't wait. I feel like I'm. I feel like feel like I'm holding space for you while this emerges. <laughs> I'm so excited. Like it, something in my gut just rises up, and you know, I want to. I want to cheer you on, and I want to. I just want to see because I can feel that creativity that's rising in you just speaking with you, and I just want. I, I can't wait to see how it comes to fruition. It's so exciting. Thank you. So I just landed with the new website and an everyday collection. There's 11, no specific reason why 11, just everyday drinking teas because, you know, I cleared out my cupboard at home of my Ovio teens because I just, and I just packed them away in a nostalgic bag for another time to remember. But I just couldn't look at them and I thought, what am I going to put my tea that I drink 
into. And that's how it kind of, I just wanted to land somewhere for, for my own purpose, for mum and dad's cupboards, for my friends' cupboards and, and then our good customers and patients. And I thought, no, no, let's just land in an everyday collection. They're all still very therapeutic. Yes, I've got, you know, they're all beautiful, organic, and there's, you know, English breakfast and the everyday usual teas, but there's a few extra specials, which extra special wellness naturopathic blend, which will then kind of lead the path into more of that space. And where do we find these, Anthea? Because I think I jumped on the website recently and it was still pending. So you've just launched, have you? Yes. Yeah, so um, a few days ago, we launched the website. So it's apotheca by Anthea.com. A-P-O-T-H-E-C-A-B-Y-A-N-T-H-I-A.com. So there you can buy them online or through our Paddington store in Sydney. Um, And that's it for now. I need to really, because I feel like I've been given this second chance of starting again but not quite starting again, blank canvas, and I was really conscious of that when I was, thought it's like imagine this Liz that someone says if you could recreate your perfume collection the scents the blends the branding would it look the same or would you do something different yeah yeah and so I had that opportunity that's really exciting because you, start, you actually start on a platform. You don't start at at ground level like you did when you first no. launched. And in all the things that are, you know, because I've thought about this uh, oftentimes, like if I had to start and now, what would I do? And I think all the things that are hovering in the back of your mind that you feel that, for example, Ovio couldn't be at that time, now you have the opportunity to be all of those things. So it's it's a platform rather than back from back from the bottom again. So... It's exciting. Yeah, it is really exciting. So I was able to get into that space and really think, what is it that I like? What What is it that I want it to look like and feel like? So, you know, yeah. even the texture of the labels and the beautiful amber jars and just the, the names and, you know, the little illustrations. I think people will like it. I've had really good positive response and, you know, no expectations either because what was I to do? I really can't have any expectations, I hope, <laughs> and I wish. I'm sure. I'm sure. I, I mean, I, I'm I'm sure <laughs> that it's not going to be long before everybody knows about this tea brand. And now that you've said you've cleared Ovio out of your cupboard, guess what? I'm going to clear Ovio out of my cupboard as well. <laughs> And I'm going to make room for your new beautiful baby because I want to come on the journey with you. You know, I think you have so many people rooting for you and so many, um, look, especially I I love men in business too, but there's something about women in business where where our hearts are connected and especially women in wellness businesses, our hearts are connected. We want to support each other. We, we root for each other. We back each other up. We, we, we share, we buy each other's products. We do all of that. And, and, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm sure it's just going to be, it's just going to, take off in leaps and bounds in a direction that you want it to in a time that you want it to that works well for your heart and your soul exactly and it is such a beautiful space I mean to be a woman in this space uh, and creating something that's so aligned with nature and 
good for all and our community and the earth. I mean, it just, it feels so right for mm. me that I'm so fortunate that I can keep creating and I can inspire others to create their own thing. Um, then I feel like, yeah, my, my job is done. However, at the same time, as we both know, there's so much more to do for our earth, considering the current climate, um, and more to do for women as well. So our earth, mother nature, and more to do for women because being a woman in business, I mean, I don't know if you've experienced this, but that adds another element of difficultness yeah. Um, yeah, it's 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 a, it's a tricky one because you've probably heard this, or maybe you haven't. Fortunately, um, you know, being too emotional in business. Yeah. But <laughs> I, I think that's so funny. I, I, I had a, I had a conversation, in fact, just yesterday with a, a beautiful friend of mine who's a who's a um a businessman, and we're we're close friends, and we always have conversations about business every time we catch up. But he he's very insistent on um yeah, but you know, but the financial goals and but the financial goals and 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 we we don't speak the same language because yes, finance is great, but like you said, it's it's that's not the only measure of success, and it's got to be you've got to be you know, as a woman in business and especially in a wellness business, this is about pouring my heart and soul into it and the way that I impact people and the way that people resonate with my brand. And I'm sure you feel the same about yours. It, it's more than what your bottom line is. It's so much more than that. That's kind of almost, unfortunately, the bonus <laughs> because yeah. we're driven by our heart and, and a desire to make people feel good and reconnect with themselves and reconnect with the earth and understand the purpose of them being here. But yes, women are absolutely almost reprimanded for being that way in business. I personally yeah. think it's beautiful and necessary. Absolutely. I mean, what is there then? I mean, you're just then buying something, you're just trading commodities. I mean, yeah. if, if people don't buy because it's I mean, they buy based on a story. They buy from the feel, the taste, the the look. It, it how people purchase is because of how it makes them feel or what they want to feel. So we're tapped into that, and of of course, it's a given that it has to be financial and commercially viable. Otherwise, there is no business. That that is a given. But for me, it's like. I'm so glad it's personal because I'm so glad I'm emotional. It's what drives it. It's what makes it what it is. That's the part to be celebrated. And sometimes I find it sometimes really funny that when I have been given that advice by men over the years, it's sometimes I think it actually you're being too emotional about it because you have <laughs> to peak with that. I think you're being too emotional about it. And sometimes yeah. not expressing emotion is being emotional because sometimes being yeah. in touch with your feelings, that is that in itself is something's not quite right there either. That is, I still believe is being emotional by not being in touch with your feelings because who am I dealing with? Yeah, so it is, it's been so interesting that I, I don't know how younger women in this in this field now will like will go with that and what they'll experience. Um, I don't know if it's just my generation. I don't know how old you are, Liz, but I don't know if that just is my generation. 
I'm not much younger than you. I'm 44. So <laughs> I'm in the same generation and probably much of the same mindset. And I'm European. So I've got all of the, all of those things going for me like you have. Yeah, like the patriarchal is a thing. Um, <laughs> it's, a, it's a thing in business. I mean, look at the po- political stage right now. It's as if we're still stuck in the 50s. Sometimes I hear the politicians and what actually haven't, happens amongst men and women in politics. It's like, oh, my goodness, this is, this is still happening and it happens in business. Um, and it ain't pretty. Um, no. You know, there's so much power, though, in, in in sitting with the emotions. There's power in it personally, you know, even yeah. from the grief that you've experienced this year. There's there's power in that. There's But there's also entrepreneurial power in sitting with those things. And I'm sure that you can relate as, you know, absolutely I can. And so can anybody who comes from a creative pursuit like songwriting or, uh, you know, any type of artist. It's through that pain that you actually come up with your best most true highest resonating ideas and and that's I think where entrepreneurship rises from otherwise if you're just going from a let's be reasonable let's let's not get emotional where are you creating from and where are you getting your ideas from if you're not sitting with the discomfort of sadness or whatever it is it shouldn't be a discomfort it's human and I think that out of that humanness we then tap into something that's beyond humanness and that's where creativity rises from perfectly said that's exactly right and that's what people relate to that's they totally they relate they want that that. exactly and and I don't know if you have found this I always found it difficult maybe as the practitioner of how transparent to be um, with my emotions will people think less of me because I did come from that era is you know um, to lead and to inspire, you need to have all your shit together, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and I am only human. I am just a girl at the same time or a woman. I'm all of those things, but I look at my things and I do the work and I process it and I metabolise it. You know, it, it's like if you don't have your shit together, does that mean you cannot lead or run a business? And I used to think that so I made sure but it's not at 1984 anymore right so that was how it was in the 80s when everybody had big hair and it looked like it was all together and there was a them and us but we lead from beside people now I think it's the people that I I don't know about you but I feel like the people who lead me are the people who lead with openness and courage and conviction and I follow the power of their convictions as opposed to, wow, look, he doesn't get emotional or she, it doesn't bother her. I don't admire or follow those people. I like people who get knocked down and, and cry when people cry and sit with people in the dirt, not the ones who are up there looking polished and prime and come on, let's go. They're not relatable. They're not the ones I want leading me or my family or my generation. And so it's such a relief then when Brene Brown comes out and it says, you know, vulnerability, it's like, yes, Yes. hallelujah. Oh, somebody (laughs) said it. (laughs) And now it's officially okay because it's on a podcast and it's on YouTube. (laughs) It's true though. There's power and I I think especially as women we've been waiting for somebody to say you can lead and be vulnerable. And this is what makes women in business very unique. 
Yeah, and you can grieve and you can still create and you can be in the mess of things and you can still create and find that beauty within chaos. You can. Yeah, absolutely. The you tap into it, the rest of it falls away and the thing rises. But you need to be there and feel all those emotions and it is okay to share and people connect with storytelling and I think that's like the beauty of a podcast like yours is that it's people talking about real stuff. This is real. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I, and I'm just thinking, oh, I've got a hundred other things I want to ask you, but I could just talk about this emotional, I- emotional inspiring stuff for probably a whole nother hour. And I'm thinking we should do a whole nother episode here. <laughs> oh, it's so beautiful. I, I love talking about practical things. You know, we talk about probably a mixture of practical things and spiritual things and, you know, all aspects of humanity and and helping um, modalities and, and nature and all sorts of things on this podcast. But I love going deep and I love people being vulnerable. I just love the power in that and the beauty. And I have very close people in my life going through really difficult, very vulnerable times at the moment. And I love that I can say this person who has this business or has this influence is going through a hard time, you know, have a listen to the wisdom that they have, listen to the lessons that they have. They say, yes, I can cry. Yes, I can be, I can feel weak, but I will rise. And I just think there's real power in that for anybody that's that's human and is prepared to be human in all the ways that it means to be human I love it yeah me too. yeah let's flip over for a second and talk about this recent appointment which I'm really excited about you've been asked to join Mecca as their resident naturopath in Sydney in their flagship store yeah that's so exciting I I tell you what for me to see uh, a brand like Mecca who has a really big influence in the beauty space invite you I'm assuming that you that you've been invited <laughs> I don't know how the story unfolded although I did I did see a quote that said you manifested it for so well done you um but I I'm so excited to see the crossover between uh, a big company like Mecca who has so much sway in beauty um appointing you as a naturopath and opening up that world of natural health and wellness and all of those connections. Can we talk about the role that you're playing at Mecca and how do you see this um, sort of translating into the bigger world of beauty? Yeah. Well, I think as just starting back as a naturopath, our goal is to be more aligned with nature and part of the offerings we always suggest to our patients is to choose a low toxic lifestyle or reduce your toxic chemical load so it's what you not only eat but it's what you apply on your skin what you breathe in what you wash your hair with clean your teeth with um, clean your house with so for me it always made sense that a big group like Mecca who's so focused on beauty which is so beautiful that they move into that space of inside out beauty mm. aligned with nature and I didn't realize because I, I buy my RMS makeup from them which is 100% natural makeup um, and a few other lines but I also didn't realize that and it wasn't until I got in there that they actually have quite a few natural lines yeah, um, Juice Beauty is another one too that I quite like. I've got RMS as well, but they do Juice, yeah. which is a great product. Yeah, and so 
and they're expanding that and, mm. and they realize their customers are quite smart and savvy and to have long-lasting good health and good skin health, you need to look at how you self-care and healthcare, what you eat, how you live, how you think, how you feel, your gut health. So it is inside-out beauty. It's it's taking care of the stuff on the inside, not just what you apply on the outside. And I think, you know, awareness around um, toxic chemical load and breast cancer and so it made sense and yet I feel like I did manifest it because yeah <laughs> I looked in there and I just thought that this that this is the one element that is missing that I cannot wait and when I was asked it's like yes yes this was amazing <laughs> yeah you were already prepared <laughs> prepared and that's why it happened really quickly and they liked what I offered and so we're doing one day a month, a day of naturopathic consultations for 30 minutes, and they are to focus specifically on, on skin health and skin wellness. But, of course, if someone comes in with anxiety or gut issues, that may contribute to skin issues, of course. So it really doesn't matter. But people can book in and see me at their incredible-looking Sydney flagship store, which is very nostalgic to me because it's the old Gowings building and it's such a beautiful looking store and they've set me up in one of their clinic consulting rooms and eventually we'll do master classes and talks and um, the reason that hasn't rolled out as yet only because it's only just new but also because of COVID and just organizing just numbers in small spaces that kind of thing but I feel really honored and and so privileged I mean it it is such a lovely, lovely, lovely alignment. And those the collaborations in my world mean so much to me to be able to share what I love with people that I love. And mm-hmm. yeah, the, and I the, and I love what it means for for the crossover between beauty and wellness. You know, when a mm-hmm. when a big mainstream company like Mecca opens themselves up to crossing that bridge, it tends to lead a lot of other companies behind it. So I'm really excited for what that means for um, for many facets of beauty. And, you know, obviously uh, natural beauty is becoming quickly more mainstream anyway, but I just love that um, that open-mindedness and connection is there between beauty and wellness. It's not a them and us anymore. It's, it's yeah. definitely, um, there's definitely a very strong bridge forming between the two, yeah. um, you know, parts of beauty or or well-being or whatever there's there's definitely a a strong collaboration there so I'm excited for what that means for the future of a company like ours and the future of Mecca and the future of naturopathy and I love it I love that there's these little evolutions happening all the time yeah and and to think that you know Mecca is founded and run by um a a woman and would have started off like an idea like ours and has created this wonderful business and brand and you know it's very it's very inspiring to to me as an entrepreneur as well definitely and and to offer something that the community wants and to see the excitement of um the girls that work there and you know how it makes total sense of course inside out if someone keeps coming back with ex moral dry skin it's what is also going on on the inside 
And I think it, it is something to be celebrated because it is so important um, for what, as you know, what we use impacts everyone else. It's not just doesn't just impact us, it impacts our community, impacts our soil, our earth. Um, so you invest and you vote with your dollar, if you like, um, how you want your world to look and feel like. So if you want more of a natural Absolutely. world, then, you know, invest in the people that are that are putting their time and money and energy into that as well. And I'm, I'm chuffed that they've, so chuffed that they've gone down this path and, and have been and I just wasn't really fully aware of it. I knew a few of their natural lines but there's so much more coming through um, and I've seen it. It's pretty exciting, yeah. Yeah, I'm really excited. Um, let's address the elephant in the room, which, <laughs> which I touched on before. And anybody who's seen pictures of you anywhere would say that you just radiate natural beauty and and um you know a wellness that seems to pour out of your skin and out of your eyes how is it that you look as good as you did in your 20s and what's your secrets to um wellness and radiating beauty and um you know keeping fresh and I hate to say youthful because for some reason that seems to be the aim but it's not about that is it it's just about radiating goodness How, what is that for you on a practical level yes I think perhaps I do start off with good genes from mum because mum my mum looks ridiculously youthful so I have to acknowledge that I'm Again, I started in the industry so long, so young, so long ago that I didn't grow up taking drugs or drinking alcohol. So I think that has been a good thing and it doesn't mean you can't look well if you have had that history and that's okay and it's not a judgment but I just, I've thrashed myself more around with stress than I have with drugs and alcohol as such, which yeah. can burden our liver and our cells. Um, I think what I've, so I've always eaten well. It doesn't mean I won't not eat well and eat a piece of chocolate cake or eat an ice cream, but I, the foundations are very strong in that I eat a really beautiful Mediterranean diet, lots of herbs, fresh or dried, lots of vegetables. I eat grass-fed I've always eaten organic. I just have for decades because it's the industry that I'm in. I'm an organic ambassador. And I guess that's how you were raised too, wasn't it? You said your family very much ate from what they grew and all of those sorts of things. Correct. So I think that definitely feeds and fuels into um, how we how we look, I suppose, because, you know, we're made up of what we eat. We are what we eat, but it's also how we process our food. Um I'm surprised I don't look older, quite frankly, because <laughs> that I've hurled myself yes. Yeah. yes, I've got white hair and, yes, am I concerned about lines and things like this, but I've always used natural products. I really have. I mean, I remember I started naturopathy so young, so in the early late teens, early 90s, I've always used natural skincare um, and not so much natural makeup because makeup came a little bit later. I think being playful and knowing how to play 
And being connected to essence, I think, is really is the beauty that comes out of women, that connecting to your creativity, your essence, the playfulness within is probably what shines most. But heck, yeah, I do colour my hair. and <laughs> But I haven't had any, but I mean, you know, I'm sure people will ask because that's what we do see, especially in the eastern suburbs of Sydney. I haven't had any Botox. I haven't had any of those treatments. Um, and I don't want to and nor do I feel like I need to. Yeah. You're, you're definitely a shining ambassador for good, clean living because I think most people would look at you and think, well, I'll have what she's having. <laughs> So that's awesome. That's awesome. I've got to tell you, I was telling my team last week about my chat with you today and Paula from our team. And I said to her, I'm going to mention you on the podcast. She was so excited. She said, oh my gosh, I have her book. So she has your I Am Food book. And she said that she still uses the marinated lamb chops recipe. She said it's like their family go-to favorite. They do it all the time. (laughs) So you, you launched that book, was it 2015? 2014 but I wrote it in 2012 I wrote it just on that cusp of just before paleo perhaps or what seemed to be paleo in Sydney because for me all I got all day in day out with patients is I don't know what to eat I'm confused about what to eat and for me the fundamentals were the source which means um, the where food is grown the quality of the soil the farming and and then the health of plants and animals and then so that's all to do with source whether organic non-organic etc and then processing source and processing and processing means how we prepare food to retain nutrition what's added in the food at the factory end or at the kitchen end so for me come back to basics master the basics of source and processing first and foremost be a really good food detective, do a food audit, which is look at the ingredients or all the words after ingredients on the back of packs. Don't worry about the nutritional panel, protein, carbs and fats because they can be good or bad depending on the source or processing. So I think it just worked at the time and why it still works is because it it's coming back to basics. When people so can what diet should I do? Should I be a vegan? Should I, should I be paleo? And I say, don't worry about any of that yet. Come back to yep. sort and processing the quality of your food choices. Mm. And, you know, it's a little bit selfish creating a book like this because I knew then that I would be fueling a really healthy farming, you know, ideas, permaculture, biodynamics, regenerative agriculture, which affects us all. So if people chose, made better choices with their source of food, I knew that would be fueling a really important industries how our food is grown and then preparation is all about well what how do we prepare food to make it nutritionally um, accessible taste delicious yeah I think it resonated with people at the time And I think it still does. It seems that it's very, very relevant now and it does cut through um, a lot of the noise about this diet, that diet. Everybody's on something new and, you know, as a nutritionist I see this all the time. Mm -hmm. Everybody's got, you know, some new crazy way of eating and this is the only way and I think you're right. It's back to basics 
you know, let's think about the what what food actually is and what it means. And not only is the information beautiful, but the book itself is still beautiful. The cover is stunning. It's just it's it's aged really well. I mean, it's only been seven years since it launched, or six, mm. six years, seven years. But it's a beautiful, stunning book. Any plans for a second, by the way? <laughs> um, yes, I. You know, it, I've been saying in the background, I feel like I've been writing this other book and the other book is more um, to do with mind and mood and heart and purpose. Mm-hmm. And Beautiful. You know, it was going to be called The Lionhearted Spirit. I don't know if it's still going to be called that, but I had to go through this thing this year because it wasn't, it kind of stopped and it wasn't flowing and I had to, it's because there was something else I had to see and learn. Mm, that's and amazing. So I don't know if it's going to be a female entrepreneurial book. I'm not too sure yet, but it's there. It's been writing in the background, writing itself. <laughs> it's writing itself. Yeah, yeah. no, I, I hear you. I know what you mean by that. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. we'll just have to wait to see it in actual practical fruition at some stage in the yeah. future. Exactly. Yeah. Beautiful. And lastly, I've enjoyed our chat so much and I could honestly keep talking to you easily for another hour. Mm -hmm. But if we just maybe summarise, the the heavy focus on today's today's interview is really about um, resilience and coming back to yourself and all of those kind of aspects. So do you have words of wisdom and learning so far to anyone who's in a crisis or feeling the heaviness of, of life right now? What would be your encouragement or words that you would like to give? Sure. I think be kind to yourself as you would want to be treated or as you would treat someone else in a crisis is put the critic to bed you're just doing the best that you can do with what you know and what you have and remember you do have a choice but start with kindness be really gentle and kind 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 to yourself you don't need that extra layer of someone within your head saying no it shouldn't be done that way no that's not good enough no it should be done this way why did you do it that way come back and just be really kind and gentle beautiful and lastly anthea how do we find you um remind us again how to find your teas how to find you um from as a naturopathic consultant and how do we learn more about you so you can call us on our telephone number but all those contact details are on our website apothecarybyanthea.com um, you can follow me on social, Anthea Coluris Naturopath or Apotheca by Anthea. I've got two socials. And, yes, if you're in Sydney, come and visit us at our Paddington store. We're open Monday to Saturday. Um, call us ahead just in case someone's out to lunch. But we're always here between 9.30 and 5.30 until 1.30 on a Saturday. This is where I consult. This is where you will find me. This is where I spend my days um, creating um, and it's quite a lovely place to pop in and visit because um, Glenmore Road what they call the intersection in Paddington Sydney is the lovely fashion precinct there's a mecca here as well and it's and seeing my apothecary and my refill you know black tea tins and it's kind of a nice space to visit as well so beautiful I have to put that on my list next time I can visit Sydney yes 
Anthea, it's been such a pleasure and uh, a beautiful, moving experience to talk to you today and to hear a little bit about your story, but just to hear your wisdom and your experience. And uh, I'm sure anybody who's listening to this will, um, you know, will get a lot out of it. And I just thank you for joining me and being so transparent and open-hearted today. Oh, thank you, Liz, so much. It was thanks for holding the space for me to be able to share comfortably and and for creating such an incredibly beautiful podcast. I'm I feel really honored. Thank you so much. It was such a pleasure to speak to you. And yes, I could keep speaking to you also. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, have to, we'll have to do episode two. Thank you so much, Anthea. Thank you, lovely. Unconscious is presented by One Seed. Find out more at oneseedperfumes.com.